additional uh, software. It is all right here. Let's see here. Let me make sure that we are live. Oh, we're live. It says we're live. Sure. we're live. We are live. All right. Well, folks, I, I appreciate y'all joining me again tonight. Um, I have William Ramsey here with me. Um, William uh, has been he has been uh, investigating and studying, you know, the, the smiley face killer, uh, the phenomenon for, for what years now? I mean, you, th this is something that, that you have been, you know, actively investigating, you know, for a number of years. He has a new book out right now called uh, the smiley face killers. I just finished reading this book today. And if you're interested in these killings, these series of killings across the country, you have to get this book. Uh, it should be required reading. It is so jam-packed full of knowledge and, and footnotes and any kind of information that you can imagine is in this book. He takes it from step one from Patrick McNeil, you know, all the way through across the country. So, William, thanks for coming on with me tonight. I really appreciate it. <clears throat> Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite, Jamie. I appreciate your work as well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, my 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 work has been more localized here, you know, with uh, the Ladybird Lake stuff. That's how I kind of. Uh, ran into the smiley face killings um, across the country, but uh, um, you you started with this. So can can you kind of take us back a little bit? How how did you get involved uh, in, into the smiley face killings? It was just seeing this kind of symbol around. I show it on the cover of my book. It's a symbol from Alan Moore's The Watchman, and I was just reading kind of stuff in the culture and seeing this, and I remembered this kind of thing that I thought was an urban myth. I thought that these killings had been mentioned kind of earlier. I remember a coast to coast interview that I listened to back in the day, which I include part of it in my book. But so uh, once I was kept seeing the symbol, I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this. And then I started following cases. This was about 2016. And uh, so it's been seven years. I've compiled, as you said, a lot of information. I tried to put as much yeah. of it in the book as possible. But that's really where it got started. So then my first case that I saw, of somebody who disappeared and then was later found in water was a young man by the name of Joey Labute, Labute out of Columbus, Ohio. And mm -hmm. so once that phenomenon showed, revealed itself to me, like I remember him disappearing. Somebody told me he disappeared. I watched all the kind of news reports, like what you saw in Austin about these yeah. water deaths. There were tons of reports in Columbus, like where is this young man? It's a mystery. And then he uh, ended up in the Seoto river. And that's really kind of when I like, a uh, the switch flipped and so i was like oh i gotta watch these cases so i started researching and then more and more of these cases happened like it's happened so many times over seven years right that people have disappeared and i followed other researchers i mentioned them in here jim smith was a guy who worked on my first documentary which i put out in 2017 right and uh so he I've, he's been following him so i followed cases a lot through him and other guys and uh that's really where it all started. So I came out with two documentaries and then everything happened in 2022 and 23. It was just so much information, Austin and Chicago, even Houston and some of these other cases that it just kind of the book kind of wrote itself in a way, because I was just following them so intently that I had enough information. I said, I think it's worthwhile to put it all together in one easily carryable book. And so that's really what, how, what led up to this book. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, like I was saying earlier, this book, I uh, had the Kindle edition uh, and, and I would uh, urge anybody that's, that's looking into these or has any interest in all to, to pick this book up. It is, it's fabulous. It, the, the, from the footnotes to, you know, the chapters, he, like I said, he takes it from the beginning uh, all the way back to, I believe what Patrick was in 97, I think um, all the way up to the present. And what, what, what kind of, gets me about these is like I said, I started with the lady bird Lake with the deaths that's happening surrounding this Lake. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I was talking to, uh, Kevin Gannon, which, you know, he is, uh, one of the guys, I, I think he is one of the, uh, uh, guys that came up with this theory, you know, some time ago, it's, it's something else that they're, these young men, um, they start off, you know, they're in bars, uh, they end up, uh, you know, missing in the water. And there's one case in particular I'd like to talk to you about a little bit in depth. Um, it is uh, uh, Jason John. Um, he he sure. was one of the the men that uh, went missing here in Austin. So from the 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 from what we've been able to gather, um, when he went missing that night, there was actually a person that saw him go into the water. Um, now it's supposed to be in the police report. Um, I was told this by a person in the city, uh, a guy actually saw him fall into the water, uh, supposedly fall into the water. This guy went into the water himself, uh, trying to get Jason out, was not able to, was not able to get him out. So he left the water, went and called the police. By the time the police got there, they couldn't find the body. Uh, so it was interesting because they found him in the exact same spot you know, over a week later. So, you know, it's just, it, all of these kind of follow the same pattern about the men in bars, they're drinking, being drugged, whatever's happening in the bars, they're ending up in the water missing and they're found sometime later. And, And that's pretty much the MO across the board. Is that right? Pretty much. I think that's what differentiates these cases from a standard drowning out late at night, separated from friends, uh, way out of character, family says something suspicious is happening and then later to be found like disappeared and then found like you can go into drowning stats and stuff like that. But when somebody drowns, they usually surface, which is very because of just bodily decay. But some of these people are gone for a long, long period of time. So that's kind of what typifies and and distinguishes these from a standard kind of drowning at the lake at three, 3 PM in the afternoon with friends. You know, these are like guys who not saying I'm going to go for a swim or anything like that. They just end right. So, well, and you know, Martin Gutierrez, um, uh, you know, um, he one of the one of the guys that that went missing here. His brother was telling me uh, he actually has a video of his brother in one of the bars that night. And you know, there's a difference between um, out having some drinks, getting drunk, uh, and then being drugged. From what I'm hearing from from Martin's family. Martin looked like he was just in a stupor. He wasn't acting, you know, intoxicated. Uh, And then, you know, when he left that bar that night, again, he ended up in Lady Bird Lake. And, you know, it it kills me because I've spent a lot of time down on Rainy Street where these men started out the, you know, in the bars talking to, um, you know, the the bartenders, talking to the door people, anybody I can talk to down there. Um, I've I've got a video that I'm working on right now about druggings here in Austin, uh, down on the entertainment district. It shocks me how many people have either been drugged or think they have been drugged in the bars. Um, now is that something, have you seen that in any of these series of killings that, that any has druggings been involved in any of these? 
Oh, I think a lot of people have been drugged. I think that yeah. there may be even a half the people have been drugged. They've all acted strange. Martin Gutierrez is a good example. He was a very healthy guy, and he and his very. brother would work out every morning. Like yes. this is a very guy in the prime of his life. Like, and handling a two beers or three beers that he supposedly had shouldn't have been really a, a big issue for him. And so he starts acting strange, running around. So I think that's indicative of something, you know, some type of misadventure for him. But a lot of these guys, you see the same stories of strange uh, events and the druggings are very, it's kind of an epidemic. Like I live in LA right. and they talk about the druggings here in downtown LA. Right. And so a lot of these nightclubs and stuff like that, there's really shady things. And there's actually been groups who've been busted. There was a group in Austin and in New York who yep. were drugging people and taking their money. So just like really... Uh, sneaky, suspicious stuff where they drug people in bars and then drink them back. And some people died. There was two yeah. in the New York cases. Uh, they were targeting gay men. So they were going to, you know, LGBT clubs and then drug them. And then a couple of them overdosed and died. And the police had to kind of walk it back to catch all these people. Right. So I think that something like that may be involved. There's not a lot of property crime associated with these, these types of cases, which is also kind of strange. So that would be obvious a distinguishing thing, but none of these guys really have their bank accounts run or exactly. anything like that. So something else is going on that some kind of sinister motivation or something like that, I think, is associated yeah. with it. But I think a lot of them been drugged. And even Gannon, who you talked to in Gilbertson, their earlier cases, GHP was always almost always present. I think that the most of the cases they had were uh, drug drug associated, yeah. Yeah, and you know, we uh uh, I'm having a, a whole lot of trouble getting the medical examiner to give me the time of day here. They, they, you know, I've got freedom of information requests to the medical examiner and into the police department. And, and I mean, they're just basically treating it like it, there's no request there. Um, we were looking to see if the medical examiner had kept any samples from the autopsies from these men. That way we were pushing, they were trying to push them to start testing for, you know, like GHB, ketamine, uh, you know, any of your more common date rape type drugs. Um, and, and you know, we're, we're, yeah, Rohypnol. Rohypnol, yeah, yeah, the roofies. I mean, it's, you know, especially the, the short acting, you know, the, the, the drugs that, that, you know, come on quick and they're short acting. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got a, the families of these men, um, they're, they're on board with, you know, having these samples tested, but we can't even find out if there is any samples. Um, now I know Lori Faber, uh, which, you know, you know her, she, she, I think you quote her in, in your book here. Um, she, her brother, Randy, um, was one of these deaths here in Austin. And I was just looking at his autopsy again, before we started here tonight, poor Randy was just beat completely up. Uh, his autopsy is shocking with the number of, of injuries that he has. And I wanted to ask you, um, you know, th this guy had, you know, a broken femur. He had a broken scapula, broken ribs. He had a hole in his forehead. I mean, the guy was just literally mangled from head to toe. Do you, have you seen anything like that in any of these other deaths across the country? Or is that kind of one of these outliers? It's a good question. Some of them, like I think the medical examiners might be lazy or just not doing their jobs. And I think so it's very important to get the autopsies, but other people have been injured And uh, McNeil is a great example because they right. didn't get the autopsy to Cyril Weck, famed uh, forensic pathologist 
for 10 years. And once they gave it to him, Sarah Weck said, hey, this guy's been tortured. He looks like he's been tied to a chair and somebody burned him with a blowtorch. Oh, and man. so the family had no idea. They didn't know about those injuries. Yeah. And the same thing happened with the young man by the name of Dakota James. The family got the autopsy and the guy looked clear. I'm not a doctor. I could tell he had something around his neck, rope, ligature. Right. And uh, it wasn't mentioned by the medical examiner. He's from China or something. So these guys may be pol uh, politically, there may be some political things involved. And it seemed to be the case in Pittsburgh, particularly. Right. There's a lot of politicization of even the police forces and the science, to me, in my opinion. But there is a lack of the police cooperation is very low. Like I've called the police on certain cases. I gave up because I could have literally talked to a brick and got more yeah. answers. Like they are not helpful at all at divulging anything. And some of the stuff they keep to themselves because it may be an open investigation or they're trying right. to figure out something else themselves. So it's very right. important for the families to get autopsies and get third party opinions. I mean, you know, they, the, the family of Dakota James was very, uh, wise because they were in Pittsburgh and, and that's where Mr. Weck lives as well. So they got the best of the best to look at their autopsy. So other really, I mean, Lex Vold is one of the more injured ones, but some of these other guys have, in, they find out they've been burned. Like uh, Tommy Booth had like a cigarette, uh, S car, they call it, or burned, sure. like somebody burned him. And so you can't really fully rely on what the, the police tell you, what happened so uh, but I, yeah, I think and, a lot more of those people are injured i've heard other stories there was one guy by the name of naz muhammad in um i think he was in north carolina but yep. he was he looked like randy lexville he was like that he had ser very serious injuries like he got ran over by a car yeah randy's autopsy was shocking when i was reading it i mean the the level of trauma that he had and uh, the only other um uh, the only other person here in the deaths that I'm familiar with was, again, Martin Gutierrez. He had uh, his autopsy show that he had blunt force trauma to the back of his head. And, um, you know, that it's, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there, again, where he went into the water or where they think that he went into the water, there is camera footage of him that night. Um, there is a, uh, uh, a white SUV that pulls up to him and starts trying to talk to him. And this was shortly before, you know, that was the, the last footage that, that the family has of him, uh, you know, but, and, and so it, but again, the cops, uh, it, I want to say that it's been politicized here too. Obviously Austin is a very political city. Um, there's a lot of people that say that these deaths, it's been politicized for the fact that the entertainment district, you know, they're trying to recover from COVID, um, you know, that whole area shut down and they don't want this scare out there you know they don't want to scare the the you know the the people away from going and spending money we have a lot of tourists here so i don't know if that could play a, a role in it um, oh i think it does i think it plays a role in all of these cities and colleges they do yeah. not want to tell stories that there's predation or something suspicious happening at their college they cover it up i had a really good guest who likened it to the movie jaws where you know there's no shark in the water we got to keep the business going we got to keep the money churning so uh, I think that that's there's something to do with that. Absolutely. Let me see here. We got a question. Let's see. I became aware of the people in Lady Bird Lake via the guy on TikTok. It later came out that the guy was sort of embellishing details. So I think uh, yeah. what uh, Roxanne, I think she's talking about that Ken Wack uh, guy from TikTok. And 
I didn't really uh, get into a whole lot of what Ken was uh, talking about. Uh, do, do you know anything about about that guy about Ken Wagner? Yeah, TikTok? I researched, researched him. I think that he was a very clever uh, social media. Uh, Seemed to be. So I I think that he uh, was turning it, was generating interest. The, the deaths in Chicago are real, so though yeah. that series of death is real, but I think that he had a secondary, in my opinion, a secondary motive to promote or make money uh, off of his notoriety and his following. So. Uh, yeah, I know he uh, he he was in so the that 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 group on Facebook, the Lady Bird Lake uh, serial killer group that blew up. I mean, just massively had blown up uh, back when these things started here in Austin. Uh, you know, I know that they were kind of working with him for a while, and and some bad stuff happened there too. So yeah, he he was uh he was very good at promoting himself yeah, on there. Yeah, I mean, the guy was he knew what he was very doing. skilled, and he told stories like I got somebody pulled up and talked to me. You guys got to be careful. So yeah. he kind of kept the intrigue and fear going on. Whether that story is true or not, it's up to him. But yeah, but yeah the, Facebook, I mean, he... the Lady no, Bird go ahead. Facebook page, I think I watched it grow from like 25 to 100,000 followers pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, it went quick. And, you know, one of the uh, um, one of the the mods that was on there went to Twitter. I had no clue the group even existed. And she she was on Twitter and she came and invited me over. And like you, it went from when I joined, it was around three thousand. And then, you know, literally within a few weeks, it was already up to one hundred thousand. And I think they shut the page down for a while and it's back up now. And I still think it's around eighty five to eighty six thousand people on there. It's still very active for sure. Um, so I, you know, there is one person here in Austin, um, one one that we call him the survivors, Christian Pugh, uh, Christian, um, was found next to like the same MO he'd went missing. Um, they, they found him, but this guy, they found him alive. Um, Christian was found next to the lake, right on, uh, right by the Congress street bridge. And uh, he was apparently in, in some pretty bad shape. I know he spent a lot of time in the hospital after that. Uh, but in these these deaths around the country, um, is there any known, I guess there's not a better way to put it, any known survivors uh, that, that has any stories to tell about this? Absolutely. Yeah, there is. So Christian Pugh is one of them. He's the lucky one. Yeah. He couldn't remember 60 hours. So right. whatever he was hit with was very long lasting. I think GHB is it's endogenous. It's part of our brain chemistry, and so the body just processes it out to normal levels. So he must have been hit with something else different, like uh, I don't really know. But now he was a lucky one. There's one case mentioned in Case Studies in Forensic Drownings, the original book that was written by Gannon and Gilbertson of a survivor. Right. There's also another one uh, by a comedian. His, you probably know him. It's uh, Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N. He interviewed a guy. I actually remember the episode because I was looking at it yesterday. It's episode number 113. And he had a survivor who told his story, like he woke up near a river. And then I feature this in my book is a more recent survivor from November 2022. And this could have broken the entire case open. The entire situation of the smiley face killers open was a case that happened in Boston. It was a young man uh, who was leaving TD Garden. So that's the big arena down there right after a celtics game and there's been two cases associated with td garden and downtown boston downtown boston was a hot spot but one was bobby hurley uh and kelleher both leaving td garden and disappearing kelleher was very strange because he was walking north and then his cell phone pinged going south 
And there's no right. reason for him to go south because he lived over the St. Charles River. Anyway, this young man was on a podcast, and I was shocked to listen to this story. And people can look at the the uh, the links from my book to this story of a guy leaving TD Garden. I think his name was Josh, a young man. Fits the profile of a smiley face killer victim perfectly. He went to go urinate after the game, doesn't remember anything, and then people saw him face down in water, and a, and a very conscientious father and son pull him from the water. And they said he was down for uh, 10 minutes. He thought, I mean, he found out. Wow. And he had that same kind of inter- injury, just like Gutierrez, to the back of his head. Like he had yep. an injury on his ear, like very strange. So it looks like somebody came up and hit him in the head, back of the head with a rock. But what makes this case really incredible is that there was filmed a man holding him. So the father and son come to save him. There's somebody there already. He's literally caught on tape, this young, older man with glasses, and he gets away and nobody questions him. Nobody even asked. This guy could be connected to this whole connected network. We have no idea, but it's a massive. It's just one of the many law enforcement, in my opinion, blunders associated with yeah. a lot of these cases. But that was from November 2022. So it was literally within the last year. And they, uh, to my knowledge, they haven't followed up. And I include the interview from a podcast of this young man, Josh. And the, the podcast interviewers are shocked that the police didn't follow up on this. Like, Nobody knows who that guy is. What he's the guy with the body. Like he could right. have the guy who walked up behind him and hit him with a rock. So uh survivors do exist, and there's probably more people out there who don't remember and may have survived. Like they not they don't see themselves as part of this larger environment of these smiley face killings, just like like Ladybird Lake. Like people mm-hmm. look at Ladybird Lake, they think that's just an individualized thing around Austin. No, it's not. It's all the way throughout the whole country. There's happening in Chicago, Houston. Yes. There was a body All over. outside of yeah. There's a body outside of Austin that got brought into the Austin morgue, which wasn't part of the Ladyburg desk. And there's been other suspicious bodies found in the Ladyburg Lake area. So they may not have been yeah. in the water like Christian Pugh, but they may be associated with other larger serial killing uh, activity. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we're you know my team we're doing now is we're looking at uh, we're not you know we had been focused so solely on Ladybird Lake. Uh, and, you know, talking to some of the investigators that that are helping me right now, they're, they're you know, they tell me you've got to stop just focusing on that one specific area. You're, you know, you're going to have to look outside of that area. If these are happening, it, it's it's not just a localized problem here in Austin. And again, you see that in your book, it details it very well, just how widespread this problem is. And one of the questions I keep getting asked from from the, the crime community is is this just one person doing this or is this a a coordinated effort is this a you know um just kind of a, i guess you could call it like a copycat uh, type scenario how does how do you think that this keeps happening um around the country if it's not just one person or a coordinated effort that's a great question i do not think it's one person i do believe there's some form of communication or coordination and gannon and gilbertson have said that as well the original kind of uh, viewers. So something's going on in the dark web and symbolism. Gannon and Gilbertson said there's 12 symbols associated with these type of things. I only know the smiley face killing, like the yellow circle with the smiley face. I don't know what they're, what they're referencing. So they keep some of the information to themselves probably wisely, but I do believe people have learned this MO. So either in the kink community, BDSM community, uh, occult community that they know that this kind of process you could commit this crime and get away with it 
So really right. hardened criminals are looking for ways to get get away with crime. And uh, so I think that maybe there's some kind of communication or something. And I do believe that travel is involved, like the case of Joey Labute, which I mentioned earlier. The sure. weekend that he disappeared di disappeared was the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. I think it might be the number one bodybuilding convention mm -hmm. or one of the major ones. So imagine like if you're a sophisticated criminal flying into town, committing a crime and leaving. So I think maybe this that that's it, this kind of mobility and communication that really happened after the 90s, like flying around is much easier over the last 30, 40 years. Right. Communication is easier. So I think that that's why these crimes have only been recorded as a phenomenon within the last quarter century. But I do think there's different groups and there's been, I think Jim Smith knows more than I do. I think he said that there were two separate abductions on the same weekend. Like it was mm -hmm. timed, like, like two separate groups were out, uh, you know, hunting or like doing uh, searching for victims. So I think multiple people know, I think that, and then, that yeah. And the you know, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to interrupt you there. I apologize. No, I was just like saying that there may be that's like oh. the connection is like some occult group or something like that. I don't know. Sorry about that. There was a lag in the video here. I, I, I uh, you know, our, our speaking kind of got overlapped there a little bit. I apologize. Yeah, no problem. Um, but you know, we, we have been, we, we have tracked a lot of these deaths going back. I think the earliest death that we have that we're looking at is 2008. And, um, now I'm not saying that, that all of these deaths, you know, I have somewhere over 50, uh, deaths in that area. I'm not saying they're all connected. A lot of these are transient. Um, the area around Ladybird Lake was, a was a huge, um, it, it was a big homeless camp at one point. Now we had, uh, I, I was telling this story, uh, on a show I was on a couple of weeks ago. Um, we, I had a guy reach out to me, um, and he, he told me, look, I found a body. The body was kind of half in the water, half out of the water. Um, it, it was a very odd guy. Um, very adamant that, that, you know, that, uh, he, he, it was a part of these series of deaths. Uh, but he actually took pictures of the body. Um, so I went out and talked to him, his, uh, you know, and, and we interviewed him at the site, had him walk us through exactly, you know, everything that he had did and, you know, where the body was. Um, this guy had, <laughs> he had taken pictures of the body. He had went and sat down on a park bench and smoked a joint and waited 30 minutes before he called the cops. So my, what I'm getting at is, do you think if anybody, if if any of these men that are that are coming up missing and and winding up dead, the people that are doing this, do you think that they are uh, the people that are actually committing these crimes? Are are they trying to? Uh, are any of them trying to interject themselves into the investigation or into the media, kind of like you see with other serial killers where they do the cat and mouse type things? Are any of them making contact or kind of coming up from you know cover and, and you know trying to play with the cops, so to speak? Perhaps. I mean, there's been cases of like weird things happen. One comes to mind is Gibe, Todd Gibe in Michigan, where they mm -hmm. found a smiley face on his uh, tombstone, which is kind of like a mocking thing. The family said they were right. followed by a car. So maybe these are incidences are happening more commonly with other families, but I don't really know. But I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I remember looking at that interview uh, with the guy who you know, is kind of a heavy set guy, but there were also markings on the tree branch, right? Occult, strange things like yeah. 
circles. And then he said somebody was watching him, right? Somebody that was like in a hood or something was watching him smoke his joint by the, the edge, yeah. of the, uh, edge of the lake. So that might've been another thing. So the people are missing possible involvement involved people or perpetrators, just like this whole thing that went down at TD garden in, in November yeah. 2022. So injection that you're very, that's very astute because that's a common thing with a lot of these serial killers is that they befriend the cops or they like take part right. in searches and stuff like that. So that may be the case. I haven't come across too many of those things, but I do believe that they're happening in. Well, this guy was the only guy that ever, you know, um, stood out to us. I've, I've talked to, uh, uh, I'm sure you have talked to hundreds of people about this, but in this one instance around Austin, I've, you know, talked to, you know, 50 or 60 people that, that, you know, think that they know something about these deaths. And that guy was the only one that really stood out as, I mean, obviously he stood out because he was taking picture of a body. Uh, but I, you know, the, the symbols that, uh, was being painted on the tree where that body was at, uh, d did you ever get a copy of those that uh, I'd love to show them to you? I saw, you I them. saw what they were. One was like a big black circle with something coming yeah. out of it. Nothing looked familiar to me, just like Lexvold right. and the stickers by where Lexvold died and some of the scrawling. And a lot of, there's yeah. a lot of weird, you know, graffiti associated with these that aren't just the smiley face. The same thing with Tommy Booth. Like, I don't know exactly what a lot of this stuff means, but there's weird scribbling and things like that that may be some inside, uh, you know, occulted language or, or signaling or sigils or met, right. you know, something like that. That means something to them. And that's kind of the weird thing is I think the cops don't understand, like, the way these guys are thinking. Like, I, I go in detail about a guy who I think probably killed more people. His name was Latunsky out of Michigan. And he mm -hmm. got bust. He had a guy in a dungeon and like was eating body parts, like something out of Silence of the Lambs. Like this is a recent story. He literally just he just said that That's I did. He up. just uh, pled guilty within the last month or two. Yeah. But I think that the thinking of this guy was very weird, and they didn't drill down. There's a really interesting story about Latunsky. It was on a show called Interrogation Raw, and you can check out the interrogation mm -hmm. of Latunsky and his thinking was so bizarre they said that he was mentally ill but he was thinking rationally he was minimizing himself he said his victim wanted it to happen but he said something really weird that the, the cops didn't drill into and he said it was the new moon and i wanted to honor his requests so he's talking about wow. phases of the moon like an occultist and this word honor yeah. if you look go through the if you read through the igor sarsky um section of my book you're talking about the order of nine nine angles and it's all about personal honor so you, yes. you enforce your personal honor. So the cops are listening to this guy, but it's not registering with them. This statement, right. the new moon and honor together in one statement. So I think that this is the same thing is they don't under the cops and law enforcement. There's a landing report that's kind of outside the realm of my book, but things where a cult is not a motivating factor in a crime, which right. is a joke, but the FBI thinks that. Um, and I did a, a bunch of shows on that, but. I think they're missing some of these things that the people who are doing this crime are not thinking like a normal, you know, uh, 28 year old accountant or something who works a nine to five job. They are have strange ideation. And this right. guy, Lutonsky, was a perfect example. Like he was part, he thought he was a werewolf. He called himself Lycos. He had a weird name. He was hanging, I saw all of his social media posts. He was hanging out in groups where they would like lycanthropy and he had this weird medallion. The guy was super odd. And yeah. I think that he was he was networked. He was networked, and they wouldn't right. talk about 
And he told people, I'm the guy you're afraid of running into late at night. So these guys right. are operating at night. They think they're werewolves. And the cops just like, you know, the culture of their culture, they ignore it. They're just, I think they're thinking just on simple criminologist terms, like, did he commit a crime or not? And then right. instead of kind of drilling into the the ideas and sensibilities of some of these strange people, as the cult kind of ebbs and flows, the interest in the occult goes up and down. And we're kind of going through a crest phase, I think, where more and more people and kids and stuff are looking in the dark side because it's much more available on online and stuff like that. And I think Latunsky was a perfect example of that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when you start getting into uh, like the occult and symbology and things like uh, this gentleman you're talking about, I mean, that that's some pretty deep you know, symbology and deep meanings behind that. And I think when, you know, the, these detectives and these police officers, they start looking at that kind of stuff. I think, you know, they're, uh, from, from what I have been told, their general thinking when it comes to things of the occult is they will dismiss it pretty quickly. Um, it's like they're thinking in black and white or they, they don't want to go down that road. And that kind of, you know, kind of like, uh, with, uh, your book with the West, with the West Memphis three, where, uh, you know, the occult had a lot to do with that trial back in the day. And, and I'm not well versed on that, but I, I soon will be, cause I'm, I'm actually going to read your book here next. But, uh, I, I did some video down where Randy Lexvold was found and underneath the Sixth Street Bridge, we found some really crazy um, graffiti down there. And um, one of them that, that we found was it was a smiley face, but it had some evil eyes with some triangular type uh, uh, eyebrows above it. And it was very prominent. The The mouth, the smiley face had uh, vampire teeth coming out of it. Now, I, it may not have had anything to do with it. It was fresh paint. But I did, you know, I just kind of found it odd that uh, that those smiley faces were painted all up under that bridge right where he was wow. found. Wow. And um, that's coming. That's a lot more you know, of those cases like that. Yeah, there's a lot. It, and it's so odd. I, you know, I keep telling people that the odds of this happening, let, let's just take the Ladybird Lake alone. The, the odds of this many men starting out in, in, you know, the on the Rainy Street or the Sixth Street area and all of them ending up in Ladybird Lake. You know, they're all younger men and they all have died of the same means. It, it, the, the odds of this happening and they're not connected. I, I mean, it's just astronomical. Uh, I just you'll never make me believe that they're not connected. Um, and then, you you know, when you look when reading your book and you see how widespread this is around the country and it's the exact same M.O. in every place. And and when you think about the odds of this actually happening, I mean, it's just, it, it's folks, you just got to go read the book. If you, you're going to see very quickly just how, how crazy this whole scenario is. It's spread throughout the whole United States. And William has, has, you know, I look at this book, it's almost like a case file in a way. Um, when, you know, you have links in the footnotes, you have press reports, you have, I mean, it is full of information. So, you know, William, I appreciate you coming on with me tonight. Um, what, what are you, uh, what are you working on next? Oh, I'm just kind of been busy trying to finish a couple other projects. This book has taken up a lot of my time, but, uh, you yeah. can listen to a lot of my interviews and things like that about this mother face, face killers going back seven years on my podcast of William Ramsey investigates. It's on iTunes yeah. and things like that. And, uh, you can kind of see the other stuff I've been looking into kind of became well, uh, just a full-time investigative reporter. 
And and you have several documentaries that that you have made. Um, I think one of them or two of them was about Smiley Face Killer, right? Correct. So one was uh, Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young young men in the U.S. and U.K. And then my second one was Smiley Face Killers. The global slaughter continues because it's not just in the U.S. It's a lot of cases right. in the U.K., Manchester, and even Europe, and maybe yeah. even in other parts of the world. Like I unfortunately was not blessed by god by being a multilingual type <laughs> of person so maybe it's happening in mexico or south america or asia but i wouldn't know but it wouldn't surprise me if similar modus operandi type stuff or this type of thing is happening in other countries like i found out from a guy thank god he spoke french he was telling me all about the french cases so i was able to include a lot of french cases in my book right. like two guys the same thing happened to him out of the same bar in western france but uh yeah, I actually have five documentaries, and I'm going to put them all up on my Patreon, so people can just pay five bucks a month and watch all five of my documentaries. So, is there uh, off your website? Again, do you have links to your Patreon and all that where folks yes. can find you? Perfect. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, William Ramsey so, so, Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to post links to that on my social media um, when we're done here tonight, so you guys can go find it. I'm telling you, you got to get this book. Um, this book is, uh, I, you know. If I would have had access to this book when we started looking into these murders uh, or these killings here in Austin, it would have changed things. Um, it, it, it's changing the way I'm thinking about this uh, when you see exactly how this is spread throughout the country. So, William, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming on with me tonight. And, I appreciate uh, your com- I appreciate your comments, Jamie, because that's why I wrote the book. So I'm glad yeah, that uh, it had that kind of impact. You kind of get a broader, wide angle view of. It's history. I try to make it almost like a history yes. book where you see the beginning leading up to the present, but also it happening in all kinds of different geog- geographical places you uh, people may not have thought of before. Yeah, because uh, chapter one, you start with Patrick that uh, I, I believe you call him uh, uh, something. Uh, victim uh, zero with a question. Victim zero. Yes. Yeah. You call him victim zero and start from there. And, and there is a chapter in there from the Lady Bird Lake um, deaths here. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a very well-written book and very, very well-researched. So, uh, you know, if, uh, folks, if you're interested in this book, you, you've got to check it out for sure. I've got the Amazon edition, which I, I don't have too many paperback books anymore. I pretty much get everything, uh, you know, eBooks nowadays. But, uh, well, William, I appreciate it. We're going to we're going to kind of wrap it up here. But uh, I, I'm glad that I had you on. I, I know that, you know, we've kind of followed each other on social media and we've talked throughout the months. But um, hopefully. Uh, I'm, I'm going to send you um, some pictures of those, uh, the smiley faces I was talking about under the Sixth Street Bridge. I kind of want to see if uh, they ring any bells with you. That'd be so, great. It sounds very familiar to the early pictures. If you go yeah. back and look at case studies and forensic drownings, they have the early pictures and a lot of them have fanged smiley faces. So you might want right. to check that out. It might, it might uh, look familiar to you. Well, good deal. Well, folks, appreciate y'all tuning in. William, thanks for coming on. And uh, we will see y'all next week. All right. Let's see here.